It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Well, hey there, welcome to another edition of Make the Dough Rise. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond with an office in Greensboro, Georgia. Check us out at livingworth.com. Brian, great to be with you this week. How are you, my friend? Good, good, good to be here. Uh, I don't know if I've told you or not, but I've been a frequent flyer on the 911 speed dial. Oh, that is not good. That's not somewhere where you want to be a frequent dialer. I, I, I was, uh, I've had three things happen in the last uh, couple of weeks where I've had to call 911. I saw a chicken coop on fire. Uh, I saw a woman fell and broke her arm in the yard, and then a car crashed through the uh, window of a neighboring uh, office oh building gosh. here. And I was scrolling through my old, you know, recent calls. I was like, how many times do you have to call 911 before they start suspecting you of making these things happen? As, as the one making it happen, yeah. <laughs> like, this is the beginnings of a movie, I think, where they start, you know, guy realizes he's always around the incidents that are occurring. Yeah, yeah. It, it's um, like one of those goodness. Crime Stopper episodes. So were you, uh, were you kind of, in any of these situations, sort of alone and like the, the sole person there? calling and helping the folks that were in trouble or were you part of a, a, a group and you were just co- sort of the one who said i'll call 911 yeah with the broken arm definitely i was this woman was sitting in her yard and i pulled into a, a her neighbor's house because i was dropping something off and she she was desperately waiting for somebody to come by because she was oh my she goodness. was trapped there the fire in the chicken coop i think a couple other people called and um the, the obviously there was a bunch of spectators for the uh, car going through the the, the front window of the office Oh my gosh! Wow. You so just yeah, just, just you know, so, so often, not, not that twenty twenty and so far twenty twenty one haven't been bizarre enough, but it's it's starting to hit local <laughs> now. Yeah, you have a you have a little local sampling of uh, of kind of some oddities around. Yeah. Well, hopefully every uh, everyone is okay in the grand scheme of things, and uh, glad you were on the scene to help get some assistance. And uh, thanks to the local uh, you know first responders for them coming and helping those folks. In the happy That's to great. do my part. Like I said, as long as I don't become a suspect. <laughs> that's right or or the next uh the next victim uh, uh, yeah you, you don't want, don't want to call 911 on yourself anytime soon Brian. please so let's keep that in check as well uh well some excitement for you in life then i guess with all that going on and uh i, I don't know if we can match that on today's show but we do have a good one uh we are kind of going back to 2019 Back when we were all innocent, Brian, and back <laughs> no in the good idea old days, what the world was about to throw at us. It was a simpler um, time. It was a simpler time. It was uh, September of 2019. We did a show, episode number six, in fact, about the top 10 tax hikes that don't, quote unquote, raise taxes. And we kind of walked through 10 of these kind of hidden tax hikes, if we want to put it that way, or crafty or unique ways that taxes kind of weave their ways into our lives. And it was a, <laughs> we both went back and reviewed that episode before recording today's, and I think we were both kind of like, wow, that was actually a really intriguing, interesting, one of our better episodes back from 2019. So go check that one out. It's still a lot of, uh, a lot of things relevant in that episode. Mm-hmm. It's, again, it's episode number six. Be sure to take a look at it. But we're going to kind of rehash, Brian, a little bit of what we talked about in that episode and kind of predict the past. We're going to go look and see how some of maybe the predictions or at least some of the things that you were, I won't say prognosticating about, but you were theorizing could happen. Um, see how some of those things have checked out now that we're into 2021. Mm-hmm. And also you've got some, I think, new things to maybe add to the list as well. I thought I had dug deep in coming up with every possible tax hike that they could come up with. And I underestimated them. They've actually come up with more possibilities. So we'll we'll talk about what's actually on the radar, 
if we want, we could buzz through the, the, the 10 or 11 that we covered last time. And, and some of them you're not hearing anything about, uh, but most of them are in play and there's some new things to add to the list. Well, I know you wanted to give some context to today's discussion, both as we look back at that original list and add some things to it on today's episode about uh, looking back at some some tax breakdowns, latest data from 2018, mm-hmm. about who pays what when it comes to taxes. You want to walk us through that? Yeah, th- this was interesting to, to see some actual numbers, and this relates to actually podcast episode number 28. We did the, uh, uh, the Matthew Principle and talked about Pareto distributions. And I want to put some clarity around the rhetoric about the top 1% and pay your fair share. And you know, that, that gets a lot of traction on the, the headlines and in and, and the news, makes good sound, sound bites and all. But here's, here's the reality. When you're looking at income tax, the top 1% pay 40% of all income taxes, but only produce 20% of revenues, that number is uh, above $540,000. So $540,000 of income puts you in the, the, the top 1%. That's 21% of revenue, but it's 40% of all income tax collected. If you go out to the 5%, top 5%, so making 218000 puts you in the top 5% nationwide. Right, if you got a two-career couple, uh, you know, professional incomes and, and things like that, it, that's, that's not an, un, an un, unreachable number by any means. The top 5% pay 60% of all income taxes while producing 36% of all revenues. And then if you go down to the 10% level, uh, that puts you at the $152,000 mark. So $152,000 of income puts you in the top 10%. They pay 71% of all income taxes. On the flip side, then that, that long tail that they, uh, if you are into statistics and, and Pareto distributions, uh, the bottom 50%. And, and you get hear a lot about wealth inequality in this country, and that, that's a different topic. But the bottom 50% only pay 3% of all income taxes. So the, the notion that we're going to dramatically uh, solve our spending and budget problems by just income taxing the top 1%, 5 or 10%, I think we're in a, in a situation where they're going to have to do a lot more than that. And so these things could impact not just the wealthy, but these things can creep down the income distribution and, and may catch up more people uh, than we anticipate. So sort of the uh, my takeaway is you're saying if, if the solution is billed is we've got to tax the top 1% higher, as an example, the idea is it's already high. So you want to go higher, higher than high. Uh, there's just not that much room. It's not like we're going from zero and we can go to, uh, go to 100. We're already at at, I guess in this case, forty percent, um, according to the data. So how much how much higher can we go than that? Yeah, There's just well, not and, much and, more room the, to make the difference. Yeah, and, and the risk is is higher, much higher without unintended consequence. So if you look at you know people leaving California, New York, you know places with with very high taxes, you know migrating to Florida and, and Texas, for example, that that's happening. You you will begin to run people away and uh, or discourage productive behavior and in, in, in higher income. So. Um, it's a you know it's a, it's a bigger problem than I can solve, but I'm I'm just trying to shed some light on it, uh, so that we can maybe. My hope is that we would rein in spending and deficits a little bit better. But um, well, as we talked about with the MMT podcast, Modern Monetary Theory podcast, that does not seem to be the flavor of the day. 
No. And with those things in mind, let's turn our attention back. We don't have to spend all day going over episode six's takeaways, but we'll kind of hit some of the ones that we talked about originally before we then add on or you know provide some additional context and some new developments to some of these things on today's episode uh, you know a little less than two years later after originally recording that episode six so why don't you walk us through that old list and um, any additional context needed for some of these things where do we stand sure uh, I think one of the big ones that we talked about is number one was that they literally had to do nothing to increase taxes because the Trump tax cuts are set to expire. So literally all they had to do was nothing and we will revert back to the Obama era rates. And what you get with that is going to be not only an increase in rates, but a compression of the tax brackets. So, so on lower incomes, you're going to be kicked into higher tax brackets and those brackets are going to be higher rates. You know, so there's a double impact of those. And that is you know, most definitely going to happen. I don't see there, there's zero chance that they're going to try to revive or extend the Trump tax cuts. So that, that one is, as predicted, you can count on it. And that one, again, was on our original list back on episode six, talking about the tax cuts and when they eventually expire. We're just a little bit closer to that happening now. And that has given rise, Brian, to some additions to that original list that I know that you want to go over uh, in relation to tax brackets and some of the other um, kind of consequences that we're seeing spark up a little bit for high earners in particular. Yeah. So are you familiar with peace limits? Peace limits. Uh, we're talking about like peace talks in the Middle East. That no, kind of no, thing. no, no, no. This is not peace in the valley. This is P E A S E limits. And this was a, uh, I'd like to call it a relic, but maybe it's not that old, but it was, it was something that uh, crept in where you, above certain income levels, you would start losing your Schedule A itemized deductions. The Trump tax reforms did away with the elimination of those peace limits. And, and the way it worked was uh, for incomes over, I think, $400,000, you would lose 3% of your uh, Schedule A itemized deductions for every uh, increment you were over $400,000. So if you had, let's say, 1.4, just to, to make the math easy, if you had an astronomical $1.4 million of income, Okay, your first $400,000, you get to keep your Schedule A deductions, but above that, you would lose 3%. So you would lose $30,000 of your itemized deductions. Well, if you had $30,000 of itemized deductions, you could lose 100%. Well, they said, well, maybe that's not fair, so we'll only take away 85% as the max of your, or I'm sorry, 80% of the max of deductions that you could lose. So it was this complicated formula of how much of your deductions you could lose that was based on a percentage of income with a cap. And they had done away with that, which was, was, was fine. Well, now they're, they're talking about bringing back the peace limits and, and, uh, you will lose a percentage of your Schedule A deductions above a certain income threshold. But paired with that is, you, do you remember the uh, cap on SALT taxes, state and local taxes? The, the, the cap was you could only write off a maximum of $10,000 of state and local taxes. Well, that was a real burn or dig at the states that had very high state and local taxes, New York, Illinois, California, and you can see where this is going politically. Well, now they're going to lift, they're proposing lifting the cap on salt taxes again, but by reinstating the peace limits, 
you're going to be able to deduct all of your uh, state and local taxes, which if you have a very high state and local income tax bill, but you only lose 3% of the deductions, that is a massive uh, political giveaway uh, to certain states. And it's a, a great gift to very, very high income earners. So it's a complicated uh, issue and, and topic, but there's a lot of politics behind this one. So that's that, that's something that's coming back and you may lose part of your Schedule A deductions, but you may get to deduct all of your state and local taxes. But it sounds like all of these different things that might be changing over the uh, next little while, are uh, taxes are on the increase from at least these couple of things for the folks that are in sort of the, the brackets that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and eliminating a portion of deductions, again, targeted at a very specific income group. Gotcha. So that that is a lot to absorb. I mean, that's a lot of moving parts, a lot of differences, percentages up and down. It's uh, it's no wonder why uh, people you know need to hire a you know CPA and have these yeah, kinds if, of conversations, Brian. If listeners are sounding confused, this is not something I can easily explain on a podcast. Uh, it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. But I'm just I I, I want to bring it up more just to, to to make people aware of how dramatically they could be changing the tax code. All right. What's another one that you uh, see us needing to keep our eye on? And, and is it one that we talked about two years ago? Uh, so another one is that they're actually talking about eliminating your tax credits. And uh, a specific one would be the uh, $3,000 per child uh, tax credit. Now, that, that's, a, that's a huge benefit. Uh, and if you've heard me talk in the past, I really think we ought to be doing things to encourage people to have babies and grow the population. I think they, instead of just giving away money, they ought to have a bonus to help young families get started, buy a home, have children. That, that, that's really what the, the country needs. But now they're talking about eliminating the uh, child tax credit. And this one, again, this, this is all may sound... Uh, like it doesn't impact you, but when we did the episode on on tax traps, these are all up and down the income uh, spectrum with different traps. We're crossing certain income thresholds, makes your social security taxable, things like that. But if you make from four hundred to four hundred and forty thousand dollars, and let's say you had three children, three or four children, and you lost nine thousand dollars worth of tax credits. And we'll get to FICA in a little bit, but you, you had to pay additional FICA taxes and you were paying income at these new higher brackets and you were losing your deductions, you could very easily hit a, a top tax rate above 60% for that chunk of income be, between $440,000. I worry that, little... that, that that's going to create a huge disincentive if you're kind of right at that threshold. Yeah, do I really want to work that much harder to give up, you know, sixty percent of, uh, you know, the next fifty or hundred thousand dollars that I'm I'm going to earn? It's a big hit for a lot of people. Yeah, and and it's uh again, it's just um, it, it's disincentivizing on on multiple fronts for people who might be in high income years have you know multiple children, uh, things like that. So I, I just I think it's the, it's the wrong approach. But what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, one man's opinion, and uh, and and it's not necessarily a bad one in this uh, in this regard. All right, so eliminating credits, uh, the peace limits, uh, salt. We've talked about the compression of the brackets and the tax cuts expiring, and we're only a little bit way through the the list, Brian. Many more items to get to. Um, what what about capital gains? We haven't gotten into that realm yet. Well, so in the last episode, we 
the suspicion or prediction was that they might eliminate the step up in cost basis for highly appreciated assets, property, stocks, uh, those type of things that if you've bought and held for a long time and you don't want to trigger the tax bill for yourself, you could leave those assets to your heirs and they would avoid the tax on the appreciation of those assets. Well, now there's talk about eliminating uh, the step up at death. And this is where they took it one step even further. They're talking about taxing unrealized capital gains. Okay, so if you buy and hold a stock, you don't pay the the tax until you sell it and realize the gain. Well, you can defer taxes for a very long, long time. You know, just buy and hold. That's a great way to to get tax deferral. But what they're proposing, and it's a senator from Oregon, uh, I think Ron Wider, Wyden, he's he's really digging in his heels on this one. He says, oh, no, no, we want to tax gains so that the Jeff Bezoses and uh, Elon Musks, all these these billionaires, can, can will have to pay something now, and they they can't just defer the tax forever. And you know, I I get the sentiment of of what they're trying to get at, but the logistics of calculating that tax. If you have a purchase date and a sale date, it's very clear what your gain was, and you pay your tax on it. But if every year you have to come in and value your portfolio, and then pay a tax if you've had an appreciation of your portfolio, that's crazy, especially if you have assets that are difficult to value. Real estate. Messy, 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 messy. Insane. And and it it would become an enforcement nightmare. You had art collections or, uh, you know, Timberland or uh, your homes or or real estate property. Everybody be trying to sandbag the appraisals and and, um, it's a terrible idea. I don't I don't know that could, it could could you claim unrealized losses and get tax breaks that way? You you read my mind. So because <laughs> that's how they would game the system, right? How at the time of collection have it reflect a loss and then make some good moves after that to realize the gains and then that that'd be the way to do it. And and that takes us back to the pre-1986 tax reform games that people were playing and that was a very uh, unproductive tax code and a drain on our Focus and productivity. So what what makes me uh, cynical on that one is if you have a unrealized loss, I guarantee you they're not going to send you a check for your, you know, your tax refund for, for an unrealized loss, but they want to tax you on unrealized gains. It's 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 crazy talk. But but they're talking yeah. about it. That one's messy. I don't like that one. No. Um, that doesn't seem fun at all to have to deal with. Well, and, uh, and, you talk and, about unintended consequences. That one I feel like would have a lot. That would that would really cause a lot of people to shift big time into you know other ways of I think you know saving and harvesting gains and losses. I mean that that one seems like it would just have endless complications and implications. The scary part about that is that Ron Wider of Oregon is on the Senate and uh, Banking Finance Committee. He he can actually get this stuff you know proposed and, and out there. This actually has the, the possibility of happening. And the real negative outcome of this could actually be that you're, you could begin to manipulate the tax code. So it's, it's so hard to comply with that they can then selectively audit and target who they want to try and enforce this with. Mm. That that's, gotcha. that's becomes the real danger. We, we did see a little bit of that back in, uh, remember during the, I forget what, what year it was, but the IRS was basically caught 
slowing down applications for conservative political charitable organizations. And um, they, they were basically caught red-handed playing, playing politics with um, IRS enforcement. And, and you're really opening up the possibility of, of that happening or, or becoming a possibility with this type of uh, rules. Opens a whole can of worms, that is for sure. Uh, one that we talked about uh, on that episode number six uh, several months back was the wealth tax. What's the update with that one? Yeah, they're still talking about it. And it's it's kind of uh, a, maybe a cousin or a close cousin of, of the unrealized uh, capital gains t- uh, tax. And you're just going to say, hey, tally up your net worth. And if you got $100 billion, I only want 2%. So you have to you know send a you know, couple couple billion dollars in each year for for Elon and and uh and Jeff but um I don't know that that one is getting as much steam or backing uh as some of these others so it's it's still out there but probably less likely to happen okay and then uh you kind of hinted at this one a little bit earlier but the uh uh, at least this realm of you know, kind of passing on wealth to the next generation. What about the estate tax? Yeah. So again, uh, there are proposals to lower it. it it's currently you know, let's call it five and a half million dollars uh, per person that you can leave estate tax free. Fortunately, you know, most people now don't have to do super complex estate planning. We don't have to set up those marital bypass trusts for for small dollar amounts uh, like we did twenty years ago. But there are proposals to take that down to yeah, maybe three and a half or three million. And there's also proposals to eliminate it altogether. So I, maybe we stay right where we're at. But if they lower the amount, uh, it's going to put estate tax planning back into play. And, you know, it's if you get into that three million dollar number or two million, two million for sure, you, that would begin to affect a lot of uh, people. So we'll keep an eye on it. But where that overlaps is with the IRA distribution rules. We talked about them accelerating the IRA distributions for non-spouse beneficiaries. And now that has to happen over a 10-year time period. Well, if your estate plan is uh, setting up a trust for your non-spouse you know, beneficiaries, children, nieces and nephews, whoever it may be, if you're going to try to leave an IRA in a trust like that, you really have to look at what the distribution rules are on the trust because now the trust tax rates are dramatically higher than the individual tax rates. And the, this accelerated distribution of IRAs could, could cause a big taxation if you're trying to use a trust to manage the distribution of your, of your IRAs ultimately. So we've got lots of estate planning complications, it seems, potentially coming down the pike. And uh, we'll keep an update, uh, keep an eye out for various updates there. And we talked about FICA a little bit in that episode six. I know you've got some more things to add to that conversation today. Yeah, so, so the uh, current FICA tax cap is 142800 So that, that number's been increasing a little bit. And I always like to joke with my clients who are Social Security recipients, and I'll say, oh, you, you got your you know, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8% increase in your Social Security benefit, right? And I get these you know blank stares or puzzled looks, and I was like, well, well, that's how much FICA taxes went up. You know, they they increased it by, you know, three to eight percentage points per year, but that they're definitely not increasing Social Security benefits by by that amount. So you're seeing dramatic increases in the amount uh, of your base income that's subject to FICA tax. Well, what they're looking at doing is also 
you know, maybe having a gap from 142,800 back up to that 400,000 number seems to be the magic number everybody's kicking around. And be be mindful, Walter. I, I'm, it's 400,000 now. It's entirely possible that that number could creep down. And, and if you're familiar with the alternative minimum tax, that was a uh, structure from way back that was meant to tax these stock options and stock grants for big corporate executives. And it crept its way down to where it was impacting you know, a huge percentage of of uh, taxpayers over about $100,000, $150,000 of income. So the, these things have a way of, of, of creeping down. But if you make over $400,000, they're, they're wanting to apply the uh, FICA tax for all your income above that. A couple problems with that are the, the way Social Security code is written is it, for each dollar you pay in, it actually increases your benefit when you go to collect. So I don't know if, if you've got somebody that's making a million or two million or five million dollars a year, if they pay an extra 6.2% as the employee, and if they're the business owner, another 6.2% as the employer, that's 12.4% with on top of the higher income tax rates uh, with no cap. So if you're, again, if you're losing your deductions, you're losing your uh, tax credits, you're paying higher brackets, and you get another 12.4 FICA tax on top of that, are they going to give you an increased benefit for, for Social Security? Or you know, how are they going to handle that? And that's a big number to lay on top of all of, all of these other things. So, and these percentages are starting to add up, right? They really are starting to add up, exactly. And and in uh, Medicare, you know, there there currently is no cap on that, and there's an extra point nine percent for incomes over two hundred and fifty thousand. And again, no no increase in benefit. And if you're a high earner in retirement, you're going to pay more for Medicare supplements. So also not looking good. All right. So we've made it through about uh, 10 of these points so far. That was the original list was 10, but we've got a few more to make our way through here. Uh, A couple of extras. What about um, corporate tax? You've added that to the list. Yeah. So this isn't something that you are going to necessarily pay unless you own a big corporation and uh, a C corporation or something like that. Uh, But if they raise corporate taxes, that does impact the profitability of of corporations or uh, may impact their, you know, where they you know, move to, they may try to delay earnings. All of those could impact stock prices. And if you're owning stock in these companies, higher corporate taxes, it basically is double taxation. You're getting taxed at the corporate rate. And then when they pay out their dividends, you're paying tax on those dividends. So uh, that's, that's definitely being talked about and yeah, probably more likely to happen than, than not. Very good. So we've got corporate tax and then carbon tax. Carbon tax, yeah. They're wanting to add uh, a carbon tax or a fuel tax uh, to gas, heating oil, natural gas, those, those type of things. If you are pro-environment and uh, alternative fuels and things like that, and, if you, and I'm all for not having pollution and, and all those kinds of things, actually, a carbon tax is actually a very effective way to reduce consumption. So if you think about cigarette taxes, alcohol tax, uh, the sin taxes, they call them, you're basically penalizing behavior that you don't want. So I would actually rather see a carbon tax than all of these grants and giveaways and uh, spending on on pet clean energy projects. Uh, we, we could do another episode on this. Elon Musk has got a really uh, cool uh, joint venture that he's doing with Peter Diamandis. And they're coming up with a $100 million X prize for somebody that can develop a carbon capture system. And I think the private sector 
and innovations or incentives like that will do as much to solve the problem as the the billions and billions that uh, the federal government wants to spend on on all these you know uh, clean energy projects. So um, it's a consumption tax. It'll get baked into gas, uh, heating oil, natural gas, all, all those types of things. So look for higher prices at the pump. That's a great point, Brian, but uh, interesting. I, I, you almost kind of like towed the line of saying there was a tax that you liked. That, that must not have tasted good coming out of your mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit painful, but I got it out. <laughs> there was, there was, that's like a tax you're okay with. That well, was, that and, was, and, and on, on the there. total other end of the spectrum, <laughs> if you look at things that work, the earned income credit uh, at the bottom end of uh, for earners so that they, they can work and earn without losing their credit, that was a very effective program. Uh, the carbon tax uh, I, in our pollution taxes, I, I actually, th- th- those are some of the most effective policies that have been put forward and used in other cases in the past. So, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stick in, with that one. In the context of all these others we're talking about, I'm sure that made it feel a little bit better, too. Exactly. So. Yep. It's good. All right. What about um, you have something on here on on the list that that you shared with me before the show. I'm interested in hearing more about about investment and trading tax per share of stock. Does this have the to do with like the whole Robin Hood rise where people are buying shares of stocks rather than whole shares and that kind of thing? If you have a tax on trades or transactions, that is targeted at what is perceived to be Wall Street, big wigs, hot shots, hedge fund managers, the, these people engaging in, and I'm using air quotes, predatory type behavior. Uh, I think it's just a misunderstanding of, of how markets need to work. You may not like it. It may not be a good look, but uh, th- th- those are actually not things that you want to penalize. Yeah, I don't like the idea of penalizing the uh, folks who are just playing the game as the rules are written for the most part and finding the little nuances where they can fit in. Isn't that what uh, figuring out all these different moving parts of the tax code and investing and saving is all about? So um, it, it all just seems like all these different levers are getting pulled all over the place, Brian. And I know you spend a lot of your time as an advisor trying to get abreast of all these things so that you can keep your clients and um, your, your followers informed of everything that's going on. And this is a great illustration to show that in less than two years, kind of the developments and changes from when we first recorded this episode. Yeah, a lot of what we talked about is here and happening. Uh, some things that we talked about, like uh, VAT taxes and, and some of those haven't gotten much air. And uh, there's some new things on the list. So yeah, it'll be interesting. And realize too that this is not law yet. You know, we're only we're just shy of as we're recording this. We're just shy of uh, Biden's first hundred days, so it's uh, it's it's speculative at this point to what will happen. But a lot of developments, a lot of talk, and uh, I can assure you, uh, a lot of this will actually happen. So as you can see, Walter, there's there's any number of issues that may impact uh, people differently. So I'd, I'd highly encourage people to give us a call or, or, or book an appointment if they if they have some questions. And if you call today, you can get a 15 minute introductory conversation with Brian and we can see how all these different potential risks that we've covered on today's show um, can affect you, how you can start to prepare your portfolio and retirement plans to deal with these things, how you can have income for a self-reliant retirement and learn to be prepared for all these coming tax situations as well. It's easy to get started. Again, give a call to 706-451-9800. That's 706-451-9800. 
or you can go to livingworth.com and you'll find a spot right there on the website where you can click and set up that time to meet with Brian as well, whatever is easier for you. And uh, contact info in the description of today's show as always as well. Brian, good to do a check-in of an episode uh, from, I guess, what, 18 months ago or so. We'll have to do, uh, let's, let's wait another 18 months and we'll, we'll do another check-in. On I don't this. know if we can wait that long. It may, we may be cooked <laughs> if we true. wait that long. <laughs> we may have to do a late, later this year check-in, yeah, may be necessary. Yeah. No, for, this is good. This. That's good stuff. Uh, thank you for the help and assistance. Again, if you want to get in touch, 706-451-9800 or livingworth.com. If you've got questions about what we talked about today or want to set up that 15-minute introductory call with Brian. For Brian Doe, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Make the Doe Rise. Make the Doe Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.